Odyssey Sports Radio Network. News update. In the NFL, Rex Burkhead returned to Pats practice on Sunday. It was reported last week. Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Carlos Martinez, kind of a good news, bad news scenario. He could be back as soon as next week. That's great news. The not-so-great news is that he's not going to be a starter for the remainder of the year. Cardinals are going to bring him back as a reliever. The rationale for that, it would have taken Martinez about another month to have built up to be uh, ready to go as a starter, whereas it will only take him about another week additionally for Martinez to get ramped up to actually pitch in relief situations. Weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. You know that because you've already downloaded the show. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you to Matt Modica to have the flexibility to turn Tuesdays with Modica into Mondays with Modica and making it an alliterative event. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Al. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. And it's crunch time. Six more weeks to go. That's right. It is. It's hard to believe. In fact, uh, the first playoffs of my leagues start today. Fortunately, I'm in them, <laughs> so that's there good. Go. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's weird that that just snuck up on me. Uh, it's uh, you've got eight teams, so you've got quarterfinals, and every round is uh, is two weeks. So I've got playoffs already in in one of my leagues, and uh, some of the other leagues will will be following soon. So how about you? How how close are you to to playoff time, or do you have leagues that that have playoffs? I'm pretty much now strictly the uh, roto format. I don't play the head to head, but I am. It's like I said, it's nerve wracking. The difference between money that will possibly want be won and money that will be possibly be lost. Is going to have me on edge for these, you know. Yeah, so whatever, that's right, whatever <laughs> format you're playing, whether there's money involved or not, well, you know, whatever you're playing right now, I guess unless you're way out of it, um, yeah, it's, it, it is nerve-wracking. And I'll tell you, even for me in some of the leagues that uh, where, where I'm reasonably, I'm, I'm out of it, um, I, I'm still stressed because, you know, I, I look at, I'll, I'll just give you a, a real-world example here, Tout Wars. I've been bouncing up and, and down between like 8th and 11th place. I'm in 10th currently, but it's really bunchy between 5th and 10th. So I'm really, you know, aiming at 5th place. That's 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 going to be my championship. <laughs> so, no, but that's uh, you good. Know, at least you're going to play it out. You have a goal. Is that the tout mixed? That is the tout mixed, yes. The tout mixed uh, auction. Is uh, Hopefully Tim uh, Heaney is still in first and I'm going to root for him to win it all. Uh, yeah, well, I, th- I think your rooting interest is going to be rewarded because he's been up by like 20, 25 points for a really long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got to see I had... about a week ago and, and chat with All him. right. Well, uh, please tell Tim I say hi next time you, you see him or talk to him. Um, 
I may not see him again until you know next March uh, for the next auction. But uh, I had Jeff Zimmerman, who's also in that same league, on the show on Friday, way back when we were a live show on FS, uh, FNTSY. And um, he, at, th- at that time, I think he was in second. I think he's, you know, bounced down to fourth because while the five through ten are bunchy, so are the two through four. Uh, and I said, oh, you, you got an outside shot. And he's like, no, I have, good, I have no shot. <laughs> so uh, he's probably battling for second. I'm battling for fifth. Uh, so we all have you know, things to fight for. And, and like I said, fortunately, uh, you know, I'm in the playoffs in one league and, and anticipate that I'll be contending in a few others as well. So uh, I, I uh, hope, uh, uh, hope, hope it's going well for you, Matt. How many leagues did you join this year? Uh, it's definitely over double digits. But what I do do is I play a lot of the, you know, what you consider the, the best ball format for baseball, yes. where it's the draft and hold, and you just got to set the uh, roster, you know, every Monday and Friday. So those are a lot easier. When there's no fab involved. Uh, fab leagues, I'm going to say probably around 8 to 10, but I have partners wow. in probably half of those. Okay. You know, at least half What's of actually- that, you know. That's actually a pretty similar load to what I, I have as well. So I'm in a couple of draft and holds, but in eight uh, you know leagues where you can actually. I you know, I did vow to make... cut down on leagues this year. Uh, I'm really going to try and do it next year and just be able to focus on, you know, maybe a handful of teams. But you know, it's it's a long you know, it's a long you know uh, off season, and you get antsy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. So we we got to milk these last six six weeks for all their work worth, uh, you know, because this is this is the fun stuff, uh, you know that and and of course the the drafts and playing for the drafts that's awfully fun too. So uh, well, Matt, we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, we've got a couple of pitchers debuting within the next uh, like thirty six hours: uh, Michael Kopech and Stephen Gonzalez. We'll talk about them, uh, and we have a couple of other uh, young pic- pitchers that are. Um, reappearing in rotations and i've got a poll associated with all that uh also i, I want to talk about uh daily versus weekly leagues and uh, unfortunately i can't remember there were there was a little bit of a debate going on twitter and uh, i didn't do my due diligence right before the show and go back and look and see who were the people in, involved it was it was industry people so uh you were involved in that debate and you're listening and i'm not giving you credit i apologize uh, but, uh, you know, I thought it was an interesting question. It really got me thinking. And so, uh, you know, wanted to see where you were at, too, with that, because I, I find it complicated. Uh, and then, of course, we got some performances from the weekend that are worth breaking down, because, again, next six week, weeks are critical. So what you make of recent performances, you know, that could go a long way towards helping you or hurting you towards that uh, championship or, in my case, helping you towards fifth place. So uh, let's get on with it, Matt. Uh, so Michael Kopech, he's going to debut on Tuesday at Minnesota. Uh, if they keep him up, because I've not seen any indication what the longer-term plan is for the White Sox rotation. Are they going to put uh, Dylan Kobe in the bullpen? Are they going to go six-man? Is this one and done for Kopech? I would not think the last one would be an option, but I don't know for sure. But he could line up for a second start at the Tigers this weekend. Uh, Kopech over his last seven starts, uh, this is really what initiated the call-up. Just brilliant. 1.84 ERA, 59 strikeouts and only four walks in 44 innings and only three homers, which is pretty miraculous for uh, a White Sox prospect in AAA because they play in Charlotte, which is just this crazy home run park. 
So there's nothing more, you know, it's a cliche, but there's nothing more Michael Kopech had to prove in AAA. Uh, absolutely. I believe that, you know, at least for the next month, he should be a fixture in the rotation. I think he pitched, you know, circa 135 innings last year between double and triple A. So get him the experience now. And I love drafting players that have high pedigree. Even if he fails over this next month or so, getting that experience, you know, just being in the clubhouse, going on the road trips, and having that major league experience, I think, is uh, invaluable for the following season. So, I mean, the White Sox should let him pitch at least for the next month, build up the innings total, get it over 150 this year, and hopefully we'll see uh, Eloy as well soon. Yeah, I am very, very surprised Kopech got up, uh, got the call to come up before uh, Eloy did. So I got to think that that's coming too. So if he's out there, uh, you're probably talking about 12-team leagues and shallower, but if he's out there, you, you get him uh, just like you get Kopech. I was fortunate enough to pick up Kopech uh, via Fab in one of my 12-team leagues, uh, but in my 15 teams and deeper, he either was already owned or I was outbid. So, um, But at least I've got him now in one league. I did, in 15-team mixed tout wars, get Steven Gonzalez with the two stars. I think I was the only one who bid on him. Which really? kind of which kind of surprised me, but the news broke like two hours before the fab deadline. So maybe I was just fortunate to be, uh, you know, glued to Twitter that uh, on uh, on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, I thought he would have been up sooner. He's a guy in those draft and holds I talk about. I got quite a few shares of, you know, you were getting him late. I thought he would have been up sooner. He was one of their better uh, pitching prospects. And he's had a really good year. Yeah, he has. And just like Kopech, he has peaked lately, which, again, probably prompted the call-up. His last five appearances, uh, four starts and then one long relief appearance, 30 and a third innings, uh, seven runs on 20 hits, nine walks, uh, which is not great but better than it had been, and 27 strikeouts with one homer. So, you know, not the overwhelming profile that Kopech has, but but still – very good, and he's scheduled to start Monday night against the White Sox. That should be a fun matchup. Gonzalez against uh, Lucas Giolito, who's really, I know I, I've said this uh, a bunch of times lately, but he has really improved lately, so I look forward to watching both pitchers uh, tonight, and then uh, Gonzalez would line up for a second start against the A's, and I think he will make that one because the, the way that the Twins made room for Gonzalez is they put Irwin, Irvin Santana on the disabled list, uh, with uh, his hand issue, he's going to see a hand specialist on Tuesday, and possibly he doesn't come back at all for the Twins. So I, I think uh, Gonzalez has, barring just an absolute you know bomb, I think Gonzalez has has this uh, rotation spot for a while. Yeah, I, and I think it's smart for them. This is a team that's been desperate for pitching, especially good young pitching. Let him get his uh, feet wet in the majors. I know. Uh, Fernando Romero had struggled in the minors uh, last month. I haven't looked recently. He's another guy. I hope to see them bring up for September. Let him get some more work. Uh, yep. So, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that, that spot's going to be there for him. Uh, and then a couple other pitchers not making debuts, but actually making their second major league starts. Tuki Toussaint. Uh, this is actually not a done deal yet, Matt, but um, according to MLB.com, he could be back for the Braves either this Thursday or Friday. And then Daniel Ponce de Leon, he is back in the Cardinals rotation. 
he made his major league debut as a starter um, earlier this year against the, the Reds. It was a really memorable start because he no hit them for seven innings uh, and then has gone to the bullpen and, and been a little less imposing there. Uh, so uh, Luke Weaver going to the bullpen, Ponce de Leon in the Cardinals rotation. Uh, so Toussaint, Ponce de Leon, and Gonzalez. Now, I think it's just clear that Kopech is, is the superior option of the four, but if we go to the other three, Gonzalez, uh, Toussaint, Ponce de Leon, who do you like the best out of that group? Uh, I think Gonzalez has the most secure spot, and I like what he's done. So I probably would lean for him. He was somebody I was unable to pick up in my redraft leagues last night, which he mm. has to be on the roster before Sunday morning. Oh, okay. And I did put in for both Toussaint and DeLeon. I was unable to get DeLeon. I got a couple of shares of Toussaint. So I, I am hoping that that report that uh, he possibly reports on Thursday and pitches Friday versus the Marlins rings true. Yeah, I do too. And um, I think if we had some assurance that Toussaint was going to make that start and that he was going to be able to stay in the rotation, I would want him more than the other two. I did a Twitter poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say, by the way, I agree with you, Matt, that given what we do know right now, I would certainly prefer to have Gonzalez. And um, so I did a Twitter poll putting that same question out there, those three starters, who would you want to add the most? And Toussaint ran away with it, 62%. 22% for Ponce de Leon, 60% for Gonzalez. I think at the very least, Gonzalez should have fi- finished second in that poll and in a good distance from Ponce de Leon because I have to wonder if maybe uh, some folks are maybe weighting that that debut by Ponce de Leon a little too heavily because he's mm-hmm. he certainly doesn't have the strikeout appeal of either of the two other pitchers. He's more of a soft contact guy. Um, so, you know, more, there's a broader margin of error there for Ponce de Leon, but... Tucson was the was the fan favorite there. <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, you got to love the name. I still remember that trade. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> you know, it caused a Twitter uproar. It was everything so. But, you know, he's he's a guy that I think many people, uh, I think it was a mixed reaction. If he would be a bullpen arm or he could sustain as a starter, he had a great uh, opening act, and hopefully he can follow that up. Uh, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Yeah, I mean, you know. Had a great year in the minors, too, so I, I have uh, high hopes for him. Although I do not own him in any leagues, but I'll still root for Tucson. Yeah, nonetheless. I was, fortunately, I was able to get him for like a buck in a couple of leagues. I'm pretty much out of money in most of my leagues, so it was like dollar bids and so. Oh, wow. And I was able to get him in a couple of them. I was surprised. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, all right, well, we got a few other uh, updates here uh, as uh, we do have a, a late first pitch, uh, 705 Eastern. So um, by the time you're listening to this, if you are listening to this on Monday, you've got some time to uh, coordinate your lineups or maybe just set them, which is really a better way to say it. Uh, so uh, we just get through uh, a few uh, updates here that might help inform you to that, that end. Uh, Manny Machado is going to have an x-ray on his left wrist uh, after injuring it on Sunday and uh, he he told uh, AM570 in Los Angeles that he expects that he will be in the Dodgers lineup on Monday. So uh, that sounds good, but definitely check back in on a status update there if you have the time. Uh, Steven Strasburg is going to be activated to start on Wednesday against the Phillies, according to MLB.com. So get Strasburg into your rotation. 
Uh, Didi Gregorius, he sustained a heel bruise on Sunday. And Aaron Boone told The Athletic that he thinks it's pretty significant and that there's a chance that Gregorius actually goes on the DL. So don't start Didi Gregorius this week. Mets are thinking about putting Brandon Nimmo on the DL. He's got that bruised left index finger. And according to Newsday, if the Mets do make that move, they'll uh, keep Dominic Smith up. But sounds like not a great week to uh, roll the dice with Brandon Nimmo, and he may, in fact, just go on the DL. Marcus Stroman has already gone on the DL with his blister. You Darvish, not looking good for him. Matt, remember, in fact, I think probably one of the shows that you were on several weeks back when you Darvish was like on the cusp of returning, like he had like one more bullpen session or something and like he was going to be back like on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, and it's if you look, I've been a Darvish fan in the past. I own zero shares of him this year and it's just unfortunate. It, it really is. I don't think the long term of that contract was going to be good, but I thought he mm-hmm. could still be good this year and next year, but obviously never healthy. Right. Well, you know, this year's definitely in question now. You know, so he was supposedly, you know, moments away from coming back to the Cubs, uh, you know, a few weeks back. Uh, he uh, pitched a rehab start over the weekend, was uh, removed before the second inning because he felt some uh, elbow discomfort. And what this report from MLB.com says is that he had the same issue back in June, but that time, and maybe this was when he was close to coming back, uh, he pitched through it. So this was, in a sense, a precautionary measure for Darvish. But by the same time, he's running out of time here. He's going to have, well, it says he requested an MRI. So I don't know if he's actually going to have it. I would think he would. So none of that sounds good. And Not at all. Yeah, I, I have one share of Darvish. It's in a 10-team league. It's my one 10-teamer. Um, and uh, I, I now have to consider dropping him because I, I've got a little bit of a DL uh, backlog there. And I, I just uh, it's a shallow league, and I'm not sure what I'm going to get from him. So it's something I, I now have to consider. I also think uh, it would be, de- be therapeutic yeah. for you, too, in the process. <laughs> it probably would be more than anything else. <laughs> uh, James Paxton played catch from 75 feet on Sunday. And uh, at about 60% intensity, according to Ryan Divish at the Seattle Times. So Paxton working his way back. Uh, but I don't think he's going to be ready this week. In any event, it certainly seems like it, that would be a risky call. But maybe the following week. And here's a, a tweet from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. The Giants are in a mini free fall, which could leave Cleveland grabbing Josh Donaldson and Andrew McCutcheon by the end of the month. So that's pretty interesting. Um I would assume that's bad news for Jason Kipnis unless they're going to play. Maybe they're going to play Donaldson at DH. Uh, but you know, well, then, Donaldson may have to. Yeah, but what if, I don't know. I think Donaldson no, that doesn't. Have, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's not, not enough fit. parts. Yeah, <laughs> right. not, that won't fit. But if I'm Cleveland, I'm going to get as many offensive pieces as possible. If I can get a McCutcheon and put him in my outfield, uh, you know, like I said, this guy has been a clutch performer his whole career. You're going to need the bats. You, they're hoping Bauer comes back in whatever that four- to six-week range. So, I mean, Cleveland's just got to load up. Yeah, and and by the way, I appreciate the update on Bauer because I left that one sort of hanging on Friday. At that point, there was the report from Paul Hoynes that maybe he'd miss the whole season. So four to six weeks still holds out that possibility that Bauer does miss the rest of the regular season. But it also keeps it open that maybe he pitches mm-hmm. for you the last two weeks. So I do think it's premature to drop uh, Trevor Bauer. 
But yeah, um, McCutcheon, I, I've, he's been a puzzle to me this year, and I kind of poo-pooed all the the doubters that said, "Well, he's going to AT and T Park," and I thought, "Well, he's coming from PNC Park. I mean, how much worse is it really?" I don't think it's the Park Factory. Just hasn't gotten it going this year, and maybe you know the change of venue and the change of scenery can can help Andrew McCutcheon if that does happen. Uh, certainly not good news, I would think, for Greg Allen, who's starting to to get on a roll. No, but, that uh, that would not be good news for him. But as we've seen in the past, like when it comes playoff time. And you have these veterans that, you know, have lost the step or whatever. Sometimes they, they shine in the moment in times, and I don't think it could hurt this team. Yeah. And, the, you know, they, maybe it's like Melky Cabrera that uh, loses playing time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, that's going to be an interesting, interesting thing to watch there. Uh, I put the call out for Twitter questions. I wasn't sure how this was going to go, Matt, because we're not live. I think people should get these answers in plenty of time uh, to set their lineups. But just to be safe, I did go on Twitter and actually uh, answer uh, this question. So I just got the one question. It's from uh, at Baseball Backer. 12-team league, do we consider Scope, Zunino, and Teoscar droppable in a 5 by 5 head-to-head league where they are starting their playoffs? Uh, And I think I mentioned this is a 12-teamer. So I, I, I'll, I, like I said, I already answered on Twitter. I'll, I'll share my answer, but uh, Matt, I'll let you go first. Uh, so this is head-to-head format we're looking at? Yeah. Um, now, we don't know if it's categories or points. I don't yeah. think for these players. I don't know if I'm the Well, certainly none of, none of these players are, are, are strong in points. Yeah. <laughs> They're they, definitely, they, Roto's their strong They don't suit. seem like the profile, even though I've, I've stopped playing it. They don't seem like they profile well in that. But my question's always going to be, what are your alternatives? You know, if you're if you're dropping a scope or a Mustakis, who, who are you putting in there? Well, lucky for you, Matt, I had follow up with uh, at baseball backer. <laughs> uh, so he did say it's an OBP league. Oh, so I, actually, I take that back. So it is a categories league, and um, he is looking to pick up uh, Taylor Ward. So, and, and being an OBP league that, um, you know, you're talking about three players that aren't really helped by it being a, an OBP league. And then yeah. you're talking about Taylor Ward, who that's, that's likely to be his specialty. Yeah. I mean, if this is going to help you in the categories, you deem that I'm looking at the categories. I mean, besides the certain stud players after that point, who can get the most from me? categorically like what guys can contribute and get the right. get the negative uh players out of there so yeah i mean scope while he wasn't helping you in an average league he's definitely not helping you in an OBP league right well what okay so my answer was um scope's kind of on the borderline is droppable mm-hmm. uh and as i said depends on your options and that's when he came back and said uh taylor ward uh but i think that in this format Either Zunino or Teoscar Hernandez are droppable, and I would give first priority to dropping Mike Zunino. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, like you said, you, especially knowing that it's an OBP league, you know, yep. go with what's going to help you best categorically. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that was helpful. And um, let's. Uh, oh, I, actually, no. Uh, I was going to say let's uh, talk about Sunday's performances, but I did promise we'd talk a little bit about daily versus weekly lineup leagues. And so since we are you know, talking a little bit about different formats here, 
Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, Matt, I saw this conversation on Twitter where people were talking about uh, these two different uh, types of leagues and, and the overwhelming response among the people in the group uh, was that daily leagues are far superior. And I, you know, I kind of had, I, I feel like that's the, like the, the cooler answer, the trendier answer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do have a certain fondness for, for weekly lineup leagues. Cause I, you know, that those were my original leagues. And, you know, when I started playing, that was a long time before we even had daily leagues. And um, part, part of my bias against daily leagues, daily lineup leagues is that I don't like making decisions based on, on small samples. Um, so, you know, I'd rather like be trying to make a call. Granted a week is a, is a small sample, but you know, it's six or seven times bigger than a day. <laughs> so I'd rather try to make the call on a cluster of six or seven games for a player than on just a single matchup. But that and, said, but I'm sorry, I just, that, that said, I now play in a bunch of daily lineup leagues and it is fun. And I like that challenge of playing the matchup. So I, that's why I wanted to talk about it. Cause I'm, I'm torn. Yeah, and, oh, excuse me. That's fine. Like, if you really want to play in a daily league, then play in a daily league. I think, look, I, you're talking about the the uh, greatest fantasy baseball league, that debate that they were having. I believe that was on Twitter yesterday about should they change it to a, da- uh, to a daily league versus all this. Oh, stuff. I think that and was I, it, Matt. Yep. Yeah. And I was going to jump in, but I refrained. This. Look, I'm pretty much, I think the way the NFBC does it, where the pitchers have to have to be in the lineup for the full week. You can't stream pitchers, but mm-hmm. the hitters you take out, you can move them every every Friday. So you start them on Monday, you take them out Friday. But I think the most important thing, if you are playing in a weekly league, what needs to change, and I don't understand how I would never want to be in a league like this, where if somebody plays a game like the Red Sox play that one game once a year at 11 a.m. All the rosters lock. You know, your roster's locked. You got to have right. your lineup in. I think that's crazy, especially in 2018. <laughs> so at least have it when that team's game goes off, the guy locks. That player is locked. You can't do it if there's a 1 o'clock game and the rest of the schedule is at 7. That right. just seems antiquated to me. So, I, well, you know. We have the technology. Yeah, we can fix that. that that's a very specific beef. But that actually does make a lot of sense to me. That one exception where, yeah, I think you should have a little bit more flexibility on Patriots Day. Yeah, I just personally, I like I like that format where I can make the change-ups for the weekend. I set my guys for four days, my hitters. And at the weekend, like, if I know there's a weekend series coming up and I want to put that left-hander in, that left-hander, or, or you know, there's a couple of lefties on this righty I got this right-handed bat on my bench that just crushes. I want to put him in there. You can, it's still very strategic. And I'm just going to be honest. I know people say uh, it, I could do it in the morning over coffee. Look, if you have, first of all, if you have a lot of leagues, it, it gets crazy. I'm just going to be honest with you. So especially coming off of a fab on a Sunday night, you're pretty drained. So I, I get the, you know, we have mobile phones. There's no excuse. I just personally prefer it the other way. So the, the weekly lineup, you're saying? The weekly lineup hybrid, where I can make the gotcha. changes on the weekend. Okay, well, that's, yeah, okay. Best of both worlds to some degree. 
I think it's a happy you know, medium, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, I, I do play all different formats. I don't play that one, but you know, I play in leagues where you 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 know update your lineup twice a week. I like that. That's kind of a nice happy medium. Uh, leagues where you can make roster and lineup changes, at, you know, every day, uh, and leagues where you can make lineup but not roster changes every day. So you know, it's all good. I guess the, I, the thing is, I don't I don't completely understand the chauvinism on either side. I guess I understand weekly league chauvinism a little better because I used to be a weekly league chauvinist (laughs) (laughs) Uh, until I started playing more daily leagues and realized like, okay, it's, you know, I was going to say it's a guilty pleasure, but I think once you kind of get over the fact that a week is also not a very large sample, then, you know, you can just have fun with it. So I'm, I'm agnostic. I think the biggest gripe that people have with the weekly uh, league is when we see on a Monday night after the lineup's locked, some players just put to the DL or somebody gets hurt on Tuesday and is going to go to the DL. I think that's what really upsets, you know, that format. But yeah. it's, it's all whatever you like doing, play in those leagues. Well, I, I agree with you 100%. I agree. I, I don't care enough to, to defend one format or another. Um, they all have their pros and cons. And, yeah, that's heartbreaking when that happens. But that's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's life. part it's of the gonna game. It's going to happen. You know, what are you going to do? Exactly. All right. Well, let's get to uh, what did happen on Sunday. Um, Chris Davis was our lone two-homer hitter. And that's not really worth too much of a breakdown as far as he's concerned because that's what Chris Davis does. He hits home runs. Mm-hmm. He's got 36 now. But he hit both of them off of Justin Verlander. Uh, Matt Chapman also hit one off of Verlander. So, you know, this is the, the thing is that, I mean, Verlander's pitched like an ace, but he often does because of being the ex- extreme fly ball pitcher that he is, does sometimes give up a lot of home runs. But I don't know if that, you know, I don't think that's an actionable thing. I don't think you ever bench Justin Verlander. So uh, does that have any impact one way or the other for you, Matt? I uh, would Verlander, no. Verlander, look, you, you got to start him. I mean, yeah. I, I, I would start him. Even in course, I don't care about the home run possible. Wow. Okay. Well, I would too, but that's, that's yeah, it's just been that good. I mean, I, there yeah. are certain players that have to stay in your lineup no matter what. Uh, he's one of them. Uh, so is AJ Pollock. He went two for five with his 16th home run of the season against the Padres. I hadn't really noticed this map, but he's he's uh, really been a little bit of a different player this year. He's sold out for power. He's striking out not a ton, but he's not the you know the really great contact hitter that he's been in seasons past has kind of a normal strikeout rate. The pull rate is way up this year and he's only got 10 steals. So he's no longer really that, you know, across the board guy that doesn't wow you in any one category, uh, but is great in a, in a bunch of them. Uh, do you think this helps or hurts him looking ahead to next year in terms of fancy value? I mean, for me, it's pretty much going to be the same dilemma I go into every year with A.J. Pollock is how many games is he going to play, how many at-bats. He only has 10 stolen bases. Look, he's made 12 attempts. He's been successful 10 times. Last year, he had 20 stolen bases in 112 games. So he's only played 78. So there's still hope that he even finishes, say, 16 or something. He has slowed the pace down a little. But this is a player, and I'm fine for him selling out with the power because, as you said, now he's like average. It's like 21, 22% in that range as opposed to where he was stellar, which is like a 
but this is a guy that can still deliver, and he's it's dependent upon his price. I have a hard time quitting AJ Pollock. I, every year I say, you know, <laughs> if the price is right, if the price is right, and I always kind of feel the price is right for his tools. Yeah, you know, and there's the the you know the injury history too, which might lower his uh, his price next year. Well, that's and, what and I'm hoping. His, I'm hoping we get yeah. a further discount, and then I can go <laughs> yeah. back in on him. All right, well, just a few more hitters uh, to uh, just mention real briefly here because lots of pitchers I want to talk about. Uh, Kike Hernandez, just a reminder, just the periodic reminder every few weeks to you know look at the stats and realize, wow, he's hitting a lot of, a lot of home runs. Uh, it is 18th against the Mariners on Sunday as part of a two-for-five day. Uh, Cedric Mullins staying hot, two-for-three with his fifth double of the year. He's uh, batting 387. And Omar Narvaez, uh He's uh, getting on base. That's nothing particularly new for him, uh, but hitting for a little bit more power and not selling out uh, the batting average or the OPP. Uh, hit his sixth home run of the season on Sunday against the Royals, and now over his last 25 games, he's got a 333, 442, 611 slash line, including five home runs. So I, I picked him up in Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational just because I needed batting average help, and I'm getting a little bit of a, of a power bonus too from uh, – so um, yeah, that's nice. You know, if he's yeah, yeah. So uh, like I said, there's a bunch of hit uh, pitchers rather that I want to talk about. I don't know that we have time to go in depth in a lot of these guys, but I, if we dig into anybody, I definitely want to talk about Jay Hap because he's come up a few times on the show over the last week or two, and uh, I've been a little bit of a skeptic, but uh, put up another good start for the Yankees. Not a, a long one, five and a third. But uh, just two runs, seven hits, but eight Ks and a walk against the Blue Jays. So, you know, overall, I would certainly take that line. And that lowers his um, ERA for the second half. And only one of those starts was with the Blue Jays. They got traded, of course. Uh, so in the second half, he his ERA is uh, 2.15. He's got a 28% strikeout rate. So those are things to like very much about him. On the other hand... <laughs> uh, the, the stats, which may be okay even without this, are being helped by a 221 BABIP and a 94% strand rate. So he's regression due. The question is, where is he going to land after the regression? And these are things that confuse me about that, Matt. Um, he's got a 30% ground ball rate. Not good, especially in the AL East. But he's got a 26% soft contact rate, which is good. Uh, he's got a 74% swing rate on pitches in the strike zone, which is high, but that's not bad unto itself. But he is allowing an 83% contact rate on pitches in the zone, and that's not that good. So uh, I'm, I'm confused. Here's what's good. I'll give you, I'll give you a note that that's in his favor. That uh, his former teammate used to do a tremendous job with uh, Marco Estrada. The infield fly balls, the infield, he's like 15% of that. And that's oh, something yeah. I started looking at the last couple of years, and it really does make a difference. If you can be at an elite level like that, you're going to get away with a lot of stuff, you know. So he's a guy, I'll, I'll give, be honest with you, my expectations coming into the season was a best-case scenario, probably like a 360, a worst-case scenario, that 380 to 4 range. But he's a guy that, you know, you need these type of guys at the back of your end. And now on the Yankees, hopefully more wins come his way and stuff like that in a better situation. And, uh, you know, I, he's a guy that I've liked. He's 
been really good the last three years prior. Well, I, I don't think I can dispute the fact that he's going to probably be really good for strikeouts. I think that ERA, like you said, might. Oh yeah, go up no, and down I a mean, bit. what he's doing right now, as you stated, with the BABIP and the left on base percentage, that will self-correct itself. He's, yeah. you know, he's not an elite <laughs> pitcher where he could sustain that for like a two-month period. Yep. So if you got a trade line still coming up, maybe a good time to float Hap and see what you can get for him, uh, because even though he might be you know, good enough to, to start going forward, you might be able to get maybe a little extra value uh, in trade. Uh, Luis Castillo, he's uh, warming up. He went six and two-thirds on uh, Sunday, uh, three runs, uh, but nine Ks. Oh, I'm sorry, only one earned run, though. Nine Ks, no walks, and over his last five starts, he's got 270 ERA, and I think only one of those five starts was not a good start. So, uh you feel pretty safe about uh, Luis Castillo at this point? Uh, I f- I'm feeling encouraged. I don't really have a choice. I need him to be good. He's one <laughs> of these players that's going to determine how the P&L looks at the end of the season for me. <coughs> so it's encouraging, though. Very encouraging, I think. Uh, and then Herman Marquez, uh, Wait, no can, longer can you say one the best more thing kept... about, uh, Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Luis Castillo, I'm sorry. I got a, had a little cough there. Uh, no, no, no problem. I don't think he's going to be, as long as he finishes re- on the pace he's relatively been pitching, I don't think there's going to be this big discount that people think is going to happen next year. I think he's still going to be a guy that we know the talent he has, yep. and I don't think he falls that far. I Especially, like you said, if he if he stays on this recent pace – I don't think he loses any value at all. Maybe just maybe just a little, but yeah, I, no, I agree with that. Uh, and uh, Herman Marquez, he had another good start: two runs and in seven innings, five Ks against the Braves. And Anibal Sanchez, not as good, but still another pretty good start for him: uh, six and two thirds, three runs on five hits, and a couple walks, eight Ks. So Sanchez actually the better start in terms of strikeouts. Uh, Marquez, uh, though. Uh, the, the better start in terms of, of run prevention. And then Yulisha Seen, <laughs> uh, he just goes on and on. Uh, six scoreless innings against the, the Cardinals, four hits, three strikeouts, no walks. Pretty normal Shasin start in that uh, not blowing you away with strikeouts, but still getting the results. And I've brought him up a few times, probably like in each of his last three or four starts, where I've just kind of done, you know, the, the uh, podcast version of a, a shrug emoji, um, <laughs> uh, where he just keeps performing well and yet i really don't have a convincing explanation for him so let me just ask you this do you trust yulisha scene um well let me ask you this would you would you consider him must start with two starts yes with two starts right and i've never trusted him i I wish i was in on him this year but with two starts i'm rolling him out there just let's look at this i got this i actually lined up for us his last 20 game starts dating back to May 5th. He's 11 and 3, over 117 innings, has a 3.30 ERA. Granted, a 4.23 uh, xFIP, which I find mm-hmm. to be more pre- pre- predictive. I think most would agree with that. And a 105 WHIP. This is over 20 starts and 117 innings. I mean, it's at some point you just got to go with it. Yeah, well, that's yeah. If if I'm going to go with it, it's going to be that rationale. Like, okay, I give up. 
I'm just mm-hmm. in for the ride. And I, I just can't get there yet. I've had opportunities to pick him up. I had an opportunity to stream him yesterday, and I passed on it. And unfortunately, I passed on him to start Nick Pavetta. He went three and two-thirds innings, six runs on eight hits, uh, five Ks and a walk, so he continues to be good with the strikeouts, uh, this against the Mets. Uh, but in his previous six starts, and this is why I was kind of excited, a 3.75 ERA, so that's not great, not terrible, but it's either feast or famine. He's had some excellent starts and then starts that were sort of like this one. Uh, but over 36 innings in those, those six starts, 47 strikeouts and five walks. And five home runs, which is not not good, but not terrible either. You know you're going to probably get, there's at least a chance of some home runs with Nick Pavetta. So that strikeout-to-walk ratio has just been fantastic. And he has suffered from a, a low strand rate. Um, so he stra- he's uh, failing to strand the runners that uh, Jay Happ is stranding. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so rest of season, Pavetta or Shasin? I'm going to go with Pavetta, and I'll say what you did yesterday for me was your process was right. The results were wrong, and that's going to happen. <laughs> Look, yeah. if, if I just – if we didn't, if we had the names removed and you couldn't see Chassin or Pavetta, and I showed you a guy on the season who over 25 starts has a 29% strikeout rate, a 6.5 walk percentage, you know, you know, and a 317 XFIP, you're going to be like, I want that guy on my team. Well, I did. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, but it, I mean, it's not always going to work. No, it, it, and it didn't. But, yeah, no, I, I would definitely take Pavetta. I would, I would do it all over again. Uh, and I think he's, and, uh, he's another guy yeah. that I saw people saying yesterday he's going to have a depressed stock next year. I don't think so because you're going to have people, unless you draft early like I do, like real early, people are going to be out there. I'm sure I'll be one of them. Pointing at the XFIP, the strikeout percentage, the how he limits the walks. These are all the characteristics you want, and Phillies should be a, re- a good team again next year. So I don't think he's coming. I don't think you're getting a big discount that some may think. All right. Well, you know, that, that could be. Uh, I definitely would not be adding to that discount if, <laughs> if there were one. Uh, Jose Arena after uh... – you know, <laughs> yeah, no. after plunking Acuna comes back uh, and uh, pitches a complete game against the Nationals. So uh, only four strikeouts, but only two hits, two hitter for Jose Arena. And I will say that, uh, you know, he is the sort of pitcher, doesn't have great control or command or strikeout stuff. But, um, you know, because he is contact friendly, if he's not giving up hard contact, he can work through. Uh, a lineup pretty quickly and, and, you know, give you a lot of innings. So we saw that. Well, what is that against more? The Nationals. Is that more of an indictment on the Nationals 2018 season? I mean, yes. Yesterday? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, what a shame. I, I, you know, again, not to completely pin it on them because I've seen Arania have exactly this sort yeah. of start before. But, yeah, that's definitely frustrating for the Nationals and, and seems like they, you know, should have been able to to make more of that uh, that matchup. And I just want to talk about two other pitchers, a couple long relievers, so this is more deep league stuff, but guys I find really intriguing. Jalen Beeks, of course, he's pitching in that um, you know post-opener role, so I'm not even sure it's fair to call him a reliever, but technically he is one. Uh, another great start for, great start, great appearance for Beeks. Uh, four scoreless innings, just one hit, three strikeouts and two walks, and while that, uh, that ratio might not sound great, remember, this was the Red Sox at Fenway Park, uh, tough lineup to get strikeouts against, and uh, he did just fine. And in the month of August, 
Beeks has given up five runs in 19 innings with uh, 18 strikeouts, seven walks. And those last two starts have been road starts with the Yankees and Red Sox. So I think that's pretty impressive. And Hector Santiago uh, in that just weird, confusing White Sox bullpen where nobody seems to have a, a stable role, he's thrived in that. And he threw four scoreless innings against the Royals with six strikeouts on Sunday. And you might say, well, that's the Royals. But over his last eight appearances, the last like three or four of which have been like three, four inning appearances, he has uh, pitched 17 innings, given up just one earned run with 24 strikeouts uh, in, in that 17 innings. And uh, not getting very many swings on pitches in the zone. So he's got a 24% called strike rate over those 17 innings, which is, which is elite. Uh, it's a small sample, so... I hesitate to use that word, but that that number, if he sustains it, that's that's an elite called strike rate. So, uh, Beeks and Santiago, you know, a couple of names to consider in, in some deeper leagues. Uh, Matt, before we wind up, I want to just t- take a quick look here at the weather forecast again. If you're still uh, planning for your your uh, Monday games, uh, so White Sox at. Uh, at the Twins. That's that matchup that we really want to see with Giolito and Gonzalez. 31% chance of precipitation before first pitch, but going down thereafter. So I think we're going to get get that one in and see it. And everything else looks good to go. So go ahead. Set those lineups. And as far as real lineups, you know, now, Matt, that we're, we're doing the show a little bit earlier, um, it's probably unlikely that we're going to be able to give folks a lot of lineup help. Because we don't yeah, have I'm a single lineup. Any lineups posted. Just yet, so apologize for that. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, these teams will help us out <laughs> in some future episodes. But anyways, Matt, any uh, uh, parting words before we uh, we sign off? Ah, good luck this week to everyone, whether you're in a daily or a weekly league. And you know, if your playoffs are starting, it's just win, baby. And if you got to play it out like the Roto way, you know, just it's it's going to be a six week sweat. Couldn't have said it better, Matt. So, uh, well, anyways, thank you again for joining me. Looking forward to future Mondays here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. And we will be back, just a reminder, we'll be back Wednesday. We're going Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the rest of the season. So, uh, Thanks for having we, me, Al. Always my pleasure, Matt. So, uh, Matt will be back next Monday. I'll be here on Wednesday. Have a great one. Good luck, everybody. And see you next time. <laughs>